the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Indeed, one would assume that 40 days and 40 nights without food or water might cause the stomach to growl just a little bit. Most of us get cranky if lunch or dinner is an hour or so late. This is one difficulty people have with fasting. It's viewed as an heroic ascetical exercise. It's beyond the reach of the average person. And for many, it seems rather pointless in our time. In a culture so thoroughly committed to consumption, why would we willingly go without something? However, fasting has always been a basic part of the Christian life. Wisdom has always taught the people of God that in order to say yes to something in the right way, we must also have the ability to say no. It is ironic, but not surprising, that people are allergic to fasting in the most overindulged civilization in human history. The inability to say no to fast was at the root of the original sin. God said not to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis tells us, quote, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. And she also gave to her discerning husband with her, and he ate also. God required of the first humans that they fast only from one thing. The inability to say no cost them all the pleasures of the garden. It is ever so. If we cannot say no to things that are evil, out of season, or to excess, if we cannot say no at times merely for the sake of maintaining our freedom, we will ultimately lose our ability to enjoy things in any sense at all. This is the distinction between on the one hand, being sons and daughters of God who exercise dominion over the creation, and on the other hand, being fallen creatures alienated from God and being servants of the creation rather than its rulers. We must always fast from sin. Sin tempts us in the same way as the first sin. It seems attractive in the moment, but after we do it, it results in guilt, shame, fear, and death. We must fast. We must learn to say no. To fast as a spiritual discipline is to fast from things that are or at least are possible to be, it's possible for them to be intrinsically good. To fast from food, beverage, 
media, or pleasures is to assume that these all can be used in some way that honors God. The, pointing, the point of giving them up is that they can become idols if they are used wrongly. What determines wrong use? The occasional candy bar or sweet is a good thing. The need to have sweets five times a day, probably not. Wine is a good thing, so the Bible says. The need to drink a bottle or more a day is not. A fine meal is a good thing, maybe even seconds. But the need to have seconds after every meal three times a day with snacks in between is probably not. Clearly, we have a slope that can become slippery. The point is simply that everyone at some point must say no, or else the pleasure will become a bad habit first and then an addiction. If we cannot control it, it will control us. As 2 Peter says, quote, whatever overcomes a man, to that he is enslaved. God gives us freedom, and he expects us to determine where the boundaries should lie in our lives, and he expects us to discipline ourselves to live within them. We should note in our time that there are addictions in the opposite direction. For some, the idolatry is the appearance. To maintain some ideal of appearance, taken, it seems, from the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, some have trouble eating enough or keeping what they eat in their stomach. The ideal Lent for someone with an eating disorder would be regular and moderate meals. Three a day would be just fine. One with an eating disorder would fast from looking in the mirror. Fasting helps us to establish and maintain boundaries. Athletes train intensely beyond the normal exertion required for a game. This intense workout enables them to perform well in the ordinary circumstance of the competition. Spiritual exercise works in the same way. When we abstain completely from things through fasting, we develop better ordinary self-control. One authority, one author, describes our uh, appetites as a spoiled child. Fasting is the way we teach that spoiled child discipline. A good rule for Lent is to give up for the entire season those things to which you are too attached, which loom too large in your life. And then a good lifetime rule after Lent is to continue to do without them periodically, perhaps a day a week. Fasting is the spiritual discipline 
that helps us subdue the flesh to the spirit. If we practice fasting combined with prayer, we will develop better self-control. We can begin in small ways, if it's brand new to us. We can grow in the discipline. This is the way exercise works. However, the real issue in fasting is not the food or the pleasure. The real issue is the absence of God. We worship and serve idols because we do not worship and serve God. We fill the emptiness caused by sin with things. We compensate and medicate with food, drink, spending, and consumption of various sorts. This is why fasting alone is not enough. The emptiness must be filled with something. And if it is not filled with the experience of union with the Father through the Son and the Spirit, it will be filled with some greater idol. This is why fasting and prayer are inseparable in the Christian life. What is removed through fasting and repentance is replaced by grace and virtue that comes from God through prayer. Thus in baptism, we renounce the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we receive from God the gift of the Spirit. The Eucharist, we come to the altar and renounce again our sins of thought, word, and deed, and in their place we receive the grace of the sacrament, the body and blood of Jesus. Lent is an extended and concentrated season of focusing on what we need to remove from our lives and what we need to add, what we need to ask God to give us. As we fast over the next several weeks, we create space in our lives for a conversation with God. Fasting makes us uncomfortable, and that is precisely the point. It disrupts our unfaithful habits and wakes us from our spiritual slumber. It reveals how attached we are to things and how afraid we are to do without our comforts, crutches, and medications. Fasting leads us to ask deeper questions. What is really going on in my life? What keeps me from a closer relationship with God? What wrong attitudes do I cling to? Who do I need to forgive? I've learned recently that many people need to forgive themselves. Many accept that God forgives their sin, but still punish themselves for that sin. This is another form of pride. Though I talk often enough about fasting, I don't consider myself to be particularly ascetical. I don't think I'm even that good at it. Left to my own devices, I would probably never go without anything I want. When I came back to the church 30 years ago, however, I was told that this is what I should do. And I am extremely 
glad that someone told me that. I've discovered over time that fasting is an incredibly powerful tool for spiritual growth. Without fasting, some unhealthy attachments will never be overcome. As the King James Version of Mark 9.29 says, quote, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. The church provides Lent to give us an opportunity to push ourselves, to take on our appetites and idols, to make room for God to do new things. Lent proclaims, behold, now is the time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you heed the call and join the church in the practice of fasting, during this holy season, you will be happy you did come Easter and you will experience significant spiritual growth. As Hebrews says, quote, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.